Welcome to We Are Meaningful, a podcast where we transform the anonymous experiences of black and brown talent into powerful audio narratives. Each month, we center the dialogue around a common theme, providing you, our listeners, with the tools and resources you need to help navigate, grow, and thrive in corporate spaces. Our stories, experiences, and our voices are meaningful. We are meaningful. Hi, everyone. This is Crystal. And this is Krista. And today we're joined by Jessica Farm. Jessica has worked in HR for several years in a variety of roles and responsibilities. But last year, she started her popular blog, Blackness in the Workplace, where she talks about her experience as a Black woman in corporate America. Since then, Blackness in the Workplace has developed into a platform which aims to center Black professionals by valuing their experiences, contributions, and needs, and to create a space to speak truth to power. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Thank you for having me. Of course, it was so exciting, and and many folks may not know this, um, but you joined us last month for our first ever public Bring Your Own Snacks. Um, and you talked about gaslighting, which mm-hmm. is a topic that I think is really coming to light. I won't call it popular, but it's definitely coming to light yes. uh, in these times because there's a lot of people talking about how people have made them feel like they've lost it. Yeah. You know, gaslighting is one of those things that is very common. But like you said, a lot of people don't talk about it or they don't know it's happening to them, especially in the workplace. So that was why I wrote that article to bring more attention to, to that issue. And before we jump into the conversation with you about this month's narrative, Assimilate Please, we're going to run the narrative for folks to hear if they haven't heard it yet. So let's go ahead and roll the narrative. I was so happy to get a position at this huge company, knowing that leadership spoke openly about their inclusive culture where associates, not employees, can be themselves, learn, and grow. There was a glossy pitch, advertisements, commercials, and videos that captured the mission and vision I eagerly wanted to join. So when I started, I was puzzled. I can't put my finger on it. It might have been the templated responses, both verbal and written, or the nonchalant surrendering of breaks, sick and vacation time for the sake of productivity. Or maybe it was the subtle uniform dress code. But it was obvious that once the time card was stamped, we were no longer Keisha, Jason, or Lisa. We were just numbers. Our individuality was slowly and deliberately being stripped away for the sake of sameness. When discussions around hot news topics started to surface like hashtag Black Lives Matter, immigration reform, workplace discrimination, there was an extreme lack of sympathy. And I would hear versions of, you're not like them. You're not like most dot, dot, dot. You're different. But am I? There lacked a connection to identity, especially race and ethnicity. 
Often with statements like, I don't see color. You can be blue, green, or purple. All I see is a person. But you do see it. And now I want you to acknowledge it so you can respect my experiences and appreciate me as a whole person. Once a customer said, I can't stand talking to black people. Instead of their associate acknowledging the outburst, they told me, don't mind them, they're ignorant. As if ignoring it would remedy the issue. The comments and microaggressions were frequent, without recourse, and eventually took their toll. I didn't feel supported, accepted, secure, happy. My resentment turned to fear, where I would dread what awaits me following the weekend. I hate Mondays hit different. I no longer felt like compromising my health and extending mental and physical energy for this company. I had to take matters into my own hands. And that meant going to a therapist to cope with the toxicity until I found a better place to land. One that didn't perpetuate a colorless workhorse environment, but this utopia that welcomed and celebrated my identity. A day when all of the colors in the crown box were appreciated for the picture they create. Because at the end of the day, I cannot take my fucking skin color off. I cannot mask this shit, okay? Everywhere I fucking go, I'm profiled whether I like it or not. Like, I'm looked at whether I like it or not. This shit, I can't take this shit off. So guess what? I'm going to die about it. Yeah, I'm going to die about my fucking skin. Jessica, after you had the opportunity to hear, assimilate, please, the narrative, what were your initial thoughts and reactions? You know, as someone who has experienced a lot corporate America and just in general, um, it wasn't really surprising. Um, You know, I've seen the narrative play out time and time again. Um, One of the things that has always been concerning to me or something that I've always found very particular is that you have companies, you know, some companies who are very much like come as you are, you know, but whenever it comes to people of color, there's always this pressure to perform, this conformity, this assimilation, as if they're afraid of something or the fear of the unknown. Um, Our identity seems to be a threat to them. So, I mean, it's something that I've dealt with quite a bit and I know other people have dealt with as well. Yeah, and I I think for the most part, sometimes people try uh, to mask those different behaviors by using language that they think um, means I'm not here to harm, right? Or or I'm, I'm not here to judge. Things like I don't see color or you know, all humans matter. I, I don't see race. The only race that matters to me is the human race. But especially when we hear things like I don't see color, what does that mean to you? I, I find that that phrase I don't see color is on one hand is amusing because it's, it's sort of silly to t- tell someone that they don't see color because everyone sees race. We are raised in a 
a society based on race. Our class divisions and how we treat each other is very much filtered through race. And then on the other hand, you know, it's also very offensive. When you tell me that you don't see color, that's a big, my, my identity as a black woman is a very big part of who I am. It's how I move through society, it's how I'm treated, it's, it's the, the lens in which I view the world. I mean, it's, it's part of who I am. And I think a lot of times when people say, you know, I don't see color or, or, you know, all humans matter or we're all one race, I think they think that they're saying what they think you want to hear. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you know, everyone matters. But it's offensive because if you don't see my race, then you don't see who I am. And oftentimes when things happen to black professionals in the workplace or just in general, you know, when people hide behind that, it's taking, it's giving them an excuse, you know, saying, hey, this didn't happen to you because you're black, it to you because you're a human being or because of some other reason, when very likely it, those things happen, your experiences happen to you because of your race, you know, race informs everything in this society. So it is foolish to say that. And one of my jokes I always say is that if, if you had to describe me to the police, the first thing they're going to ask you is what race was I? And if you, you're going to tell them that you're colorblind and that you don't see race, you know what I mean? You're not going to tell them that I'm a black woman. Right. It's always just, to me, it's just kind of a silly thing. And it, it's one of those things that's kind of like a paper house. You can always knock it down when you start pushing and, and you know, presenting facts and, and, and going after people with that type of logic. Certainly. And I, I think that's such a great way to put it when you talk about if the police were called and they asked you what color yeah. was I, you're definitely going to tell me, tell them what color I am. And ultimately, and you've probably already alluded to this, is that if you don't see color, you don't see me. Like you don't yeah. see what's unique about me and what value and impact I can bring as a person with these particular experiences because of my race and because of my ethnicity, because of my color, yeah. um, these things give me a unique lens mm -hmm. to how I might approach the world. Yeah, and diversity is a beautiful thing. And when we talk about, you know, with the Black Lives Matter and we talk about, you know, human rights, you know, we want diversity. I want people from all backgrounds to come together. I have no problem with that. The issue is not, it's not necessarily race. It's the, it's the way we treat each other and the systemic racism that holds people back. That's the problem. It's not necessarily, the issue isn't people of different colors coming together. It's assigning value to someone based on the color of their skin. That's what people are going up against. Mm -hmm. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so, yeah. Miss me with that whole, we all humans and, you know, I don't see color. You're not colorblind. Even if you're blind, you're not colorblind. And to go along with that, we think about the experiences of black and brown people in the workplace. And although there mm -hmm. are people who say, oh, I don't see color, we still often experience certain things in the workplace, whether it's from a systemic perspective, whether it's mm -hmm. conscious, whether it's unconscious. And one of those things is tone policing. Right. What, it, what role do you think tone policing plays in assimilation? So when we kind of stepping back here with assimilation, especially in the workplace, there's always going to be some level of assimilation you have to do as an employee when you work, you know, just to fit into the culture, whatever that may be. But then when it comes to being a person of color, there's deeper layers of assimilation. And a lot of those layers are, are unsaid. They're sort of um, things that are put on you without 
people necessarily saying. So for example, how you wear your hair, you know, if you're wearing a hair natural or embraced, I mean, I wear my hair natural and embraced at work all the time. And so you hear people saying, oh, are you, you know, we're facing a client today. How are you going to present yourself? So that's another form of assimilation. When it comes to tone policing, tone policing is a way to um, control how people, um, people of color interact in the work in their spaces in order for them not to be perceived as threatening. So this is kind of the handbook and this is what we need you to do. And if you don't do that, then, you know, you're going against the grain and we consider you a threat, you know, and, and that you see that happen all the time. You know, I've had an incident where my former manager, you know, she accused me of sending emails that were very curt, if you will, very, she felt like they were too abrasive and even though I couldn't see that, I mean, I didn't think there was anything wrong with um, the way I was sending my emails, but she was always talking about the tone and how, how people are perceiving it and how you perceive something is based on your, based on your personality and based on your experiences. And I remember she had asked me, she said, well, can you send me copies of your emails prior to sending them out? so that I can review them and check them for tone. And I remember thinking to myself, what? Like, <laughs> no. I said, no, I'm, you know, I was like, I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of that is fears too. You know, you have a lot of people working together who don't deal with one another outside of work. You know what I mean? You have a lot of white people who don't live in black neighborhoods. They don't talk to black people outside of work. So their interactions are very, very narrow. And so they feel that in order to interact in, in the, have some type of comfort with people that they don't deal with, these are the rules and structures that these people have to come through in order for us to be able to work together. And I think that is a huge problem in the workplace and it leads to a lot of friction because you you now have Black people saying, why do I got to wear my hair like this? Why, why can't I speak the way I normally speak? You know, why can't I be my authentic self at work? Why do I have to tone down my Blackness or, you know, whatever else I am? just to make you feel comfortable. Who are you to dictate to me how I'm supposed to present myself? Yeah, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Already. <laughs> yeah. Thinking about all the things, if I think about earlier in my career where I thought about my hair, how was I going to mm -hmm. wear my hair? How am I going to speak? And I'm from Virginia, so when I speak often, especially if I'm comfortable with you, you'll hear Southern mm -hmm. in my voice a lot and in my accent. But there have been plenty of times and for many years, I would try to hide it because mm -hmm. people have stereotypes that they yeah. associate with Southern people. Mm -hmm. And then com and compounded on top of that, I'm also black. So whatever you think about Southern people combined with whatever it is you think about black Southern people just makes it even worse. So it's yeah. almost like I spent so much time hiding Mm -hmm. covering to make sure that I kept myself safe and we mm -hmm. know this isn't an issue that that just black people face right, um, right. and I, I read something I think it was a status on LinkedIn yesterday where it talked about you know what what it's called when black people are, are hiding it's called code switching right when LGBTQ people are hiding it is called being in the closet mm -hmm. um if a trans person is hiding it's called uh covering i believe and then there were some other examples and i was like man there are a lot yep. of people who are shape-shifting yes, <laughs> just much. to make sure they are safe in these spaces 
Exactly. And I think a lot of that pressure comes from, and I can, you know, I speak from my experience as a black woman. Oftentimes you are the only one. And when you are the only one for better or for worse, there is an expectation that is placed on you and that you place on yourself. And I was always taught as a young age that, hey, you you know, you're the first person in your family to go to college. You're the first people to enter these spaces. So you have to represent and you have to represent in a way that's going to keep the door open for other people who look like you to go through it. So for years, like you were talking about, I mean, there was a like Dave Chappelle had a joke, like all black people have to they, they're bilingual. They speak, you know. So bonnets, and then they also speak job interview. And so that was kind of always the way I moved in these spaces was like, I, the way I talk at home is not the same as, same as the way I talk at work. And a lot of that is because I didn't want to play into the stereotypes of the black woman being loud and abrasive and ghetto, whatever those stereotypes are. And also because, you know, I am an educated woman and I wanted people to see that. So there was there were words that I used, there was a way I spoke and the way I carried myself so to protect me and so that people could come to me with the respect that I, you know, that I earned. And that also transitioned into my hair. You know, I was wearing my hair in perms, I was straightening my hair and really being something that I wasn't. And later on, as I got older and got more confident in who I am, I, a lot of that stuff got put to the wayside. You know, I started being more myself, not saying I came to work speaking like I do at home, but I was comfortable if if one of those words came out, if, you know, if it's one day I'm talking to my friends and somebody from my job overhears me or, you know, letting my hair grow out and wearing braids, you know, that comes with time. But a lot of those pressures do come from the fact that, you know, often you are the representative <laughs> and it can be very stressful. Right. And I think a lot of the time we can hear, you know, it's mostly the people who are saying things like, I don't see color. We can see a lot of people try to gaslight this experience that we have, right? And be like, well, there's a there's a certain, you know, certain mask or air that I have to put on when I come to work. And it's like, well, we get it. The foundation is the same, but the layers that build up are different depending on what people can and cannot see in your identity and what is and isn't considered socially acceptable because it's tied to a stereotype that's derivative of white culture and white supremacy. Speak on it. It's very, very, very different. Obviously, when you come into a workplace, you need to be professional. But what people are dictating as professional obviously is going to come easier to white people because it is derivative, again, of white culture. Culture. Mm Right. Right. And I don't, I don't think it's, it's fair to say, and I think actually it is fair to say professionalism changes depending on where you are yes. and who you're working with. Yes. And it just exists as this really ambiguous, subjective description that people can sometimes use to, like we said, police you. Yes. Right. Like, well, I don't, I don't think that behavior was very professional. I don't think that email was very professional. Yes. Yeah, because they don't want really, you to walk around smiling all day like an idiot. Day. You know, like a freaking clown. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> My gosh. Yeah, and what you said is spot on. Professionalism varies based on culture. So, for example, I know, you know, I always say truth is our love language as black people. And so we're very truthful about things. We're very direct about stuff. And that's what I've come to expect 
doing something that isn't right or, you know, something that just doesn't make any sense. If I'm working with another black woman, I've had this happen where they're very blunt, like, Jessica, stop it. You know what I mean? This is what this is what you're supposed to do. And to us, that's professional. That to us, that's respect. But then if you take that and you put that on someone else who's not a part of the culture, they think you're being mean. They think you're being hostile when you're not being. So when you talk about, you know, professionalism and how you present yourself, it varies culturally. I mean, I've been to businesses that were minority owned and their ideal of professionalism is worlds away from the places that I've been. So I think that that analogy and uh, what you just said was very, very true. Yeah, because I, I think definitely their level of professionalism, sorry, their definition of professionalism mm-hmm. has a level of assimilation that's required. Yes. So um, I know that everybody is so excited to hear all of these different things from you and would probably love to hear so much more. Where can we find you online, Jessica? Yes. Um, So I launched my new platform, Blackness in the Workplace. So um, all of my content will be there. Um, We definitely have a LinkedIn page, Twitter and Instagram. So all of that, you go to our website, www.blacknessintheworkplace.com. And then if you look, you'll see all the links to the different um, social media sites. So um, definitely come join us, build, be a part of our community, join the Tea Room, which is our online forum, private protected space for people to speak um, and, and, and be able to talk about the things that are going on without fear of retaliation or anything like that. So very excited about what's to come down the pipeline with that, too. I love this. I'm so excited to step into the Tea Room. Yeah, I mean, I've been telling people, like, you know, LinkedIn, not everyone feels comfortable sharing on there. So that's why, you know, we recreated the tea room. I love it. I love it. Please, friends, visit blacknessintheworkplace.com. Connect with Jessica on LinkedIn. And you about to get some information. She about to drop some gems. Speaking truth to power. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the We Are Meaningful podcast. Follow us on Instagram at wearemeaningful.co and visit our website to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. We're excited to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Talk to you next week.